Hello, this is Larry Russ, former keyboardist and vocalist for the classic rock band Iron Butterfly, and you are listening to Seattle Wave Radio. Welcome to Northwest Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. Follow us on Twitter at iGuestInfo. Send us your questions and we'll try to answer. Now enjoy the show. Welcome to Northwest Time. I'm your host, Barry Ness, and today it's all rock and roll, baby, and I have with me the drummer, Marty E., for the high-energy, straight-up rock and roll band, The Dirty Pearls. Thank you, Marty. Thank you very much. Straight from New York to Seattle. I love it. We love it, too. That's right. High-energy the whole way. How's, how's things in New York? Oh, things are great in New York. I mean, um Everything's kind of changing. Um, rock and roll is getting kicked out of Manhattan, and it's relocating in Brooklyn. But the way I look at it is, as long as it's somewhere, then that's where I'm going to be. So um, basically, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be out in Brooklyn all summer with a beer in one hand and a beer in the other hand. <laughs> we wouldn't want rock and roll any other way. That's absolutely right. How is New York after the hurricane? Well, I mean, it depends upon where, you know. Um, a lot of the coastal areas, um, like I hear out in the Rockaways and, like, you know, parts of Jersey are still really devastated. But I, um, me personally, I have a case of survivor's guilt almost because uh, my, my neighborhood in Brooklyn where I live um we didn't even lose our power, you know. So during the hurricane, the only thing I was really worried about um, in an immediate sense was going to the liquor store to get more uh, bottles of wine, <laughs> you know. Uh, not, 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 not to laugh at it, but, um, I mean, I was a little pissed off that Halloween got canceled. And then, of course, you know, and we weren't really even aware of what was really going on on very much either until afterward and you know that i felt like a real jerk after that you know because there were a lot of people whose houses got completely leveled and you might have seen um pictures like the um amusement park out in uh seaside heights like the entire um roller coaster wound up about 100 yards out in the ocean yeah i mean it's insane they they just actually removed that maybe two three weeks ago so a lot of a lot of people got devastated, but then a lot of us were unscathed, you know. Wow. So um, there, there was a really nice relief effort, you know, and I, just about everybody I know tried to do something, you know, to help out with that. And that's one thing um, that I love about New York is that that when something like that happens, everybody tries to at least pitch in a little bit and help out whenever they can, you know. Mm-hmm. So. There's a little bit of a silver lining. Yeah, I, definitely, because all, all we've seen is what we've really seen on the pictures, and the roller coaster was definitely one of those things that, that we saw. So, But but from what I can tell, it was kind of hit and miss. Like, like you said, some areas really got devastated, and then other areas mm-hmm. not so bad or if anything at all. Yeah, there there was um really uh, strange um, out by the Mataloking Bridge out in, in, in Jersey, there was like one house in this one neighborhood that like survived the storm or whatever. Everything else got leveled, and the people who whose house who owned the house weren't there at the time. And their neighbors called them, and apparently they said, "Well, I have good news and bad news. Everybody else's house is leveled, but yours is <laughs> yours isn't." Like, geez, wow. that would be a weird phone call to get, you know. <laughs> <laughs> would be a weird phone call. And then how weird to be in a house with all the other houses around you gone. You know, that's that's kind yeah. of eerie too. Yeah. Are, they, are, are you from New York, Marty? No, I'm uh I'm from Minnesota actually, but I've uh I've been in New York for thirteen years. As a matter of fact, uh, my girl New York City and I just uh celebrated our thirteenth anniversary. We uh we went out for dinner and drinks. But that's a long relationship. 
Uh, you know, it's the longest relationship I've ever had. Um, she done made a man out of me, but what a hell of a way to learn, you know. I uh, <laughs> I rolled I rolled into New York on June first of two thousand with three grand rolled up in my sock, <laughs> <laughs> and I was scared, you know. Can I swear? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I was scared shitless. I, I'll, I'll admit, you know, and. Uh, it was crazy. Like I, I arrived here and um, I was supposed to crash on my buddy's floor um, down in Bay Ridge, just right by Coney Island in southern Brooklyn, right? And um, I had all all this luggage like on my shoulders. It was so bad that my shoulders were bruised. But more on that later. So I was supposed to go to his acting school in the in the West Village and grab the keys to his uh, to his house because he wasn't around. And the the bitch receptionist, who didn't do a very good job of looking, didn't find the keys, and I flipped out. So I had to go up to Queens. My other my other friend was moving at the same time. I had to go all the way to Queens to hang out with him because I had nowhere to go with all my luggage, you know. And then at midnight that night, I finally got a hold of my friend who said the keys were there the whole time, and I had to take the R train all the way from Astoria, Queens, which is like in the northwestern part of Queens, all the way through Manhattan and all the way through Brooklyn for like two and a half hours until I got down to Bay Ridge, you know, at four in the morning or something like that. And that was my first day in New York. That was first day there. Yeah, that was my first day. I remember, I remember calling my mom the next day. She said, well, why didn't you call me when you got in? I said, I just got in. <laughs> and my shoulders are bruised from, you know. Oh, my luggage, and I, I, I never heard my mom say it, this term quite like this. She went, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because she was probably worried, and then that's really her worst nightmare almost, you know. Oh, yeah, well, you know, it's true. Well, it was no picnic for me either, you know, but um, – <laughs> It was it was all worth it. It really was, you know. There's nothing like being, you know, a wide-eyed kid from the Midwest in your early 20s and, um, you know, going on an adventure that may well last for the rest of your life. I mean, it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of, um, you know, conviction, I guess, to do something like that. But after you do it, I mean, you're really kind of proud of yourself, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, you arrived June 1st, so you were there for 9-11 then. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was like 15 months later. Um, 9-11 was, was, was insane, obviously. I was actually um, sleeping when that happened, and on my Clark radio, Howard Stern, I had Howard Stern on, and um, you know how you're kind of like half asleep and, you know, listening mm-hmm. to the radio, you know, and all this kind of shit. And uh, Howard Stern's reporting that day was really excellent because he um, had all of his, um, you know, he would have, had like crazy cabbie out in Queens or whatever talking about what it was like out there, and then he'd have this guy over here and, and all this kind of thing, kind of like calling in and saying what, what it was like in, in different boroughs and, and, and such. And uh, I remember thinking, you know, this gag that he's doing, this bit that he's doing, isn't very funny anymore, right? Yeah. And and then I started thinking, wait a minute, second plane, what? And so I got up, I went into my roommate's room and turned on the TV, and sure enough, it was like Chicken Little, the fucking sky is falling. And, uh, you know, I had a job selling vacations at the time, so that didn't wasn't going very well. Um, <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Like 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 we 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 would be selling these these fucking vacations, which wound up being like you know for to try to sell timeshares only or there or whatever. Um, I mean, I, I could do a whole separate interview on all the shitty jobs I've had since I've been here. <laughs> but um, anyway, they, they, they would they would actually put in the script for us. Well, the president says it's patriotic to travel and all this fucking shit. I'm like, I'm quitting this <laughs> fucking job. <laughs> I can't I can't believe I could take such a tragedy and make it kind of funny. I mean, I don't know, but that was that was really scary, but. I remember um, 
one of my friends back home, hi, Benny, if you're listening, uh, back in Minneapolis was supposed to come visit me, like, right after that for my birthday or whatever. We were going to go out and drink and be assholes, you know. And, and uh, he called me up. He said, there's no way. I've got some good news and bad news. He said, yeah, what's that? And he said, there's no way I'm coming out there, but I'm buying you a ticket to come back here. So, you know, I I, I was playing in a band with a, with a hairdresser then, and uh, he he had had me looking like a prized poodle, a prized black-haired poodle, mind you. And, you know, I I go back to Minneapolis with my skin-tight leather pants on and all this shit and basically got heralded as a – I mean, it was great, you know. It was some kind of uh, asshole celebrity or something. But I wound up <laughs> crashing, a, crashing a friend's wedding reception and all this. And, uh, you know, you try to try to make, you know, make something good out of everything if you can, I guess, you know. But, oh, uh, definitely, you know, you, you it, have to or you go crazy. Yeah. It was a wild experience. Actually, I'll tell you something else about that. Um, I didn't have a computer then, and I had fuck all to do because I couldn't work or do anything, really. And so I, there was a uh, – up in Times Square, there was an Internet cafe up there, right? And um, I'm walking over there, and all of a sudden this fucking camera crew from Argentina, like – bum rushes me right and i'm like hey guys <laughs> what's up he said hey can we do an interview with you and i said hell yeah you can you know and they they asked they asked me like they said are you scared i said yeah i'm fucking scared you better believe it and they said um are you scared of like a biological or a chemical attack and i said yeah and they said so are you going to leave new york and i said hell no and he said, "Well, why not? Why not if you're scared?" And I said, "Because I moved here to, you know, be a rock and roller and do my shit. And I figured, well, they'll they'll get me if I if I move, you know, back to farmland, they'll get me there, you know, with you know, crop dusters <laughs> or some bullshit. And then and then everybody will be laughing at me, you know. So uh, I I I I hope to God that it aired, but I never got to see if it did. I I didn't have the presence of mind to ask for a goddamn business card." <laughs> did did, did oh. you come to New York to be an actor or or to be a musician? I I, I came to New York to play rock and roll. I I don't know why. I I think that it was because uh, it was obviously it was going to be either New York or L.A. You know, being a Midwestern kid. I mean, I didn't even think about Chicago, although I love Chicago a lot, very very much, as a matter of fact. But um. It was either going to be New York or L.A., and I almost drove out to L.A. sight unseen to uh, join a punk rock band that was going on tour. I was going to um, load up my pickup truck and live the Neil Young uh, catch an hour on the sun, you know, manifest destiny, you know, all that shit, and uh, drive out there. But I chickened out of that, and so um, I think it was probably the right decision, too, because, you know, three months later I decided – that New York was was it for me, um, part, partly because I felt like it was more real, and a lot of the music that came out of here was more real, and I I had, I sort of had the ghost of Johnny Thunders, brain, <laughs> and and uh, you know reading books like Please Kill Me, you know, and and uh, just sort of daydreaming about being in a scene like, you know, Max's Kansas City or, uh, you know, clubs like that or CBGB's or whatever. And uh, I just sort of had a romanticized notion of, of being a, a New York rocker. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're living the dream then. I, I, I guess you're right, you know. I mean, every once in a while I have I, I stop and I think about it and I'm like, you know, I could use maybe about maybe five, six million more dollars, but other than that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How did you end up with the Dirty Pearls then? Well, um, it started with a lot of drinking. No, I mean, yes. Um, (laughs) Every good story does. I, well, Jesus, it's, I call it productive drinking because you know you go out and socialize and 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 you meet you meet people and it, it's it's really true you know that going out and socializing and everything and and interacting and going to shows and supporting like you were saying before it, it really um it really does make a difference but it kind of all started with um a, uh, 
Tommy London, uh, my my lead singer, and and I were sort of in respective rock and roll bands from two different scenes. It was almost as if um, I had the East Village and he had the West Village. And actually, Sonny, um, our lead guitar player now, he um, was also with me in, in that scene as well. But um, he, wasn't, he wasn't in the band at first. He joined a couple of years ago, and he's phenomenal, by the way. But um, anyway, so to- a friend put Tommy and I in touch after – like I, after I left the band I was in and after he dissolved his old band. And we sort of just kind of had a dialogue where, you know, we became fast friends, obviously, and, and would have a beer now and then and, you know, go see a show now and then and shoot shit. And uh, we kind of had a, a, a dialogue over, like, a year and a half where we would talk every once in a while about doing something, but it was a matter of, you know, getting the right guys together and, and all this kind of thing and, until um, until it got to a point where, where I, I was sort of um, brushing him off a little bit. I was being kind of a dick. <laughs> and uh, it, admittedly, I was be, being a little bit of a dick. And uh, it's so funny to think about this now. We uh, We talk about it all the time. So anyway... I go on to uh, – I was actually playing in a band um, in Philadelphia at the time because the scene in New York was so dead that I, would, I was commuting back and, back and forth playing in a, a band in Philly um, called the Union Dead. And um, But I, I, I'm like, oh, shit, you know, I should be doing something in New York too. So I go on Craigslist and the musicians board on there, and I come across an ad, and the ad said – Modern classic rock band forming. Think Aerosmith meets Wolf Mother, right? And I'm like, holy shit, this is exactly what I'm looking for, right? <laughs> so so I, I put together this email, you know, self-aggrandizement all the way, self-indulgence, you know, like – I am the rockingest drummer in New York. I twirl my drumsticks. I've got black hair, blah, blah, blah. You know, all this bullshit. (laughs) And um, two minutes later, Tommy writes back. He goes, I've been talking to you for a year and a half, you asshole. Get your ass to rehearsal on Tuesday. Okay? And I said, very sheepishly, (laughs) I wrote back, all right. And, um... (laughs) We just kind of went from there, you know, and six months later or so, we finally had a consistent lineup, and we recorded some demos in, um, you know, some studio in Queens, and uh, we had our first show booked at uh, Arlene's Grocery, which is an awesome rock club. You'd love it, I can already tell. On uh, It's on Stanton's. Oh, wait a minute. Where the hell is it? It's on... Uh, it's served alcohol, right? Well, as long as they serve alcohol, I'm good. It's uh, it's uh, Arlene's Grocery. It's on what the hell is the name of that street? Is it Stanton? Yeah, Stanton Street, I think, in uh, on the Lower East Side. And uh, I just woke up, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and we like some of my friends literally couldn't get in because we were we were, were oversold, you know. And uh, it it all kind of just grew from there, you know. And um, it's been been a fun ride, you know, and it. It keeps getting better and better all the time. You know, the we we were playing better than we ever were. We we all get along great, you know, and uh it's fun, you know. I'm I'm actually really um really excited to see what the future brings for it, you know. Well, so. you know, there's there's just been so much going on with you guys. I mean, Lady Gaga even put you in, in one of her songs, um uh what was yeah. it? Heavy metal yeah. Heavy metal lover. And, yeah, that made that made yeah, the hair on my arm stand up. <laughs> that gave me the chills. I mean, I I, I I remember the first time I heard that, I actually blushed about thirteen shades of red on my face. I looked like I, I must have looked like neon color you know, neon man, you know. I must have had fireworks oh. shooting out of my ears, you know. Did you know that she was going to do that? Had had you got some, you know, uh, information ahead of time, or did you hear it on the radio, or did someone call you? How, how did you find out about it? I think there um, there might have been some advance warning. I'm trying to think. Um, I heard something about it. I didn't really believe it. And then um, I think uh, the day her album came out, 
I think Tommy wrote me and he said, dude, wrap your ears around this. And, uh, <laughs> you know, my jaw dropped to the floor, you know, I mean, that's about the nicest compliment you can get, you know. Oh, yeah, somebody writes writes you in a song. I mean, that doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, well, you know. I mean, it does because, because then she asked you to go on tour with her, so it does get better than that. Yeah, well, you know, we we did uh, we did the um, you know the after parties on on the American leg of uh, the Born This Way ball. We were out for six weeks, and uh, it was really interesting because. She um, draws such a diverse crowd in terms of, like, what people's musical tastes are. And she's a really big fan of, of, you know, rock and roll and, you know, metal and all that cool shit. And she incorporates it into her show and stuff. But also, but the fact that she shows such a sincere appreciation for it and sort of wears it on her sleeve, I mean, her her fans get exposed to it that way, you know? I mean, it's it's a really cool thing that she's doing for rock and roll and uh you know, I I can't uh, I can't thank her enough for it, you know. What did you learn from her on on that leg of the tour? Well, let me think. <laughs> um <laughs> I I don't know, it just just watching her like I've never seen such a, a person work so hard on not only the physical demands of doing that show every night and um, all of that, but, you know, just keeping everything together. And, and, you know, she is involved in every aspect of her show, too. So all the constant creativity, you know, and she has, you know, she's got a studio with her everywhere. You know, she everywhere she's at. So, and, you know, if she comes up with an idea for something, it's right there. Every, everything she needs to to um, evoke that idea or, or you know record you know that idea or whatever it is um, is is right there at her disposal. You know, so there's the constant um, hard work and all the constant demands and everything, but but still, you know, being able to be creative and be your own work of art, so to speak, for lack of a better way of putting it, you know, all the time, uh, you know, living and breathing it 24 hours a day. I mean, it's awesome, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. I definitely was, was inspired by that, you know, and uh, I mean, it's crazy out there, you know, it's, it, it, it's absolutely insane, but it's awesome. I mean, I love being on the road more than I love life itself, I think. Yeah. Well, well there's yeah. there, there, there's a rhythm to the road and and once you get in that rhythm, you know, it just it just kind of flows when you're in that. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, it's like you forget what day it is because you don't really care. <laughs> you know, all you care about is is the show and and you know, getting a drink afterward and and you know, obviously making sure you have a roof over your head and your transportation together and all that kind of thing, but um I when I was out there I uh, I came I came down with with a condition I'll call uh road burn or road mode actually road mode is what it's called and what that means is because you've been traveling for more than a couple of weeks your IQ drops maybe 15 or 20 points <laughs> and uh <clears throat> it made me stupid kind of you know <laughs> like like uh for example like <clears throat> One of the guys said, "Hey Marty, you cheese ball. How many? Because I'm Marty E. You know, how many E's are in the word cheese? Cheese ball." And I said, two. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! You know, it, it, it was stupid shit like that. You know, and and you you part of your brain, or at least part of mine. Uh, maybe it was only me. Kind of just shuts down, you know. And, and, oh my God! I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm I'm overexposing myself, but we were, I think, in uh, we were in Texas or something, and I was <laughs> I was sending in my rent check, and I had to ask Mokus, my guitar player, which side of the envelope I put the stamp on. <laughs> 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 and he said, "You're a fucking idiot." And I said, "I know, I, I, but but I used to be so smart." 
And he said, I don't know when that was. I'm like, oh, God, that was a softball, I guess, you know. But, <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious to think about, you know. <laughs> well, thank goodness you came off the road, so at least your rent can get paid for a little while. Oh, That's no, no. You made that no, five no, or six million dollars. Oh, you yeah, well, you know. Hey, if I ever get my five or six million dollars, I'll probably still stay in the stay in the crappy apartment I'm in now to save the goddamn money. But we'll see, you know. It's a lovely well, neighborhood Alice, out here. Oh yeah, Alice. Yeah. I gave you guys a huge shout out too. That was um, one of the coolest things that has ever happened. So I've been listening to Alice since I was four years old. Um, my my older brothers used to, they're, they're all a lot older than I am. And they, like I would be, you know, in elementary school and uh, my brothers would come home from college and all this kind of shit and they'd bring girls um, <clears throat> whom I loved very much to this day and, and records for me, I mean, you know, my family for a while was wondering why, why the hell I was playing rock and roll. I'm like, this is your fault, <laughs> you know. So they would bring like, you know, Kiss records and Deep Purple records and Rolling Stones records and uh, yeah, you guessed it, Alice Cooper records. And um, you know, so I'd be four years old, bopping along to "Love It to Death" by Alice Cooper, you know, um, running through the world with a gun on my back. I mean, that's brilliant, you know, and and. Uh, some of it scared me. Like, um, what was the song from that album? Hell would be thy name. Hell would be my name. That was what it was called. It scared the shit out of me when I was four years old. You know, like Kiss has got a thunder scared the crap out of me too. You know, what the hell is that? But I couldn't <laughs> stop listening. But you know, the thing is, is, uh, is uh, such an iconic, cool guy, Alice. You know, and he's from Detroit. You know, so I there's sort of a Midwestern kinship there too you know, for lack of a better term. And um, mm-hmm. just the fact that, that he listened to us and, and and put us on and had some kind words to say, I mean, my head is still spinning around that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, has, oh, yeah. Have you open... any plans to meet him? Um, do I have plans to meet him? Um, I, uh, I I don't know. I would love to, you know, uh, if 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 I if given the opportunity, I would I would absolutely love to uh, shoot the shit with Alice. Um, I did get to meet Gene Simmons from Kiss once. We played a show with them out in Jersey maybe three years ago, and uh, this is a funny story. So Gene comes up backstage uh, to uh, Mocus, my guitarist, and myself. And he's got the full regalia on, right? And the platform boots. And so he's he's like, you know, ten feet taller than us. And he's looking at us. He says, "Did you have fun playing?" And Mokus and I feel like a couple of two-year-olds, and we and we're looking up at him, and we nodded, "Yes." And he and he fist bumps us, and he goes, he goes, "Good." And then he just turns around and walks away. And I'm like, hey, can I get a pinch? Yeah, never mind. <laughs> God damn it. I wish I would have gotten a fucking picture now, you know, because, you know, it's, it's, it's worth a hundred words. But um, anyway, so that was pretty cool, too, you know. Yeah, definitely. And Brett Michael, I think you guys uh, worked with him and Cinderella as well. Yeah, yeah, we opened up for Brett Michaels, Cinderella. Um, we played with Michael Monroe from Hanoi Rocks, whom I like a lot. Um, Sammy Yappo from Hanoi Rocks is, is a good buddy of mine, and he he was playing too. That was a that was a trip. We played with the New York Dolls a few years ago at Irving Plaza. That was, um, I mean. When I moved here with the three grand rolled up in my sock, if you would have told me that there would be a New York Dolls to even open up for, I would have told you you were insane, you know. <laughs> and it's, so that was really like, just for me, like all deep and meaningful and all that shit. Um, mm-hmm. We we played with we played with Vince Neil once from Motley Crue. I actually met him at that Kiss show that night, and he he uh, was a really nice guy. Brett Brett Michaels is a really nice guy. Uh, we played with Scott Weiland a couple times from STP. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if there's anybody I missed. Uh, it's a, not a not a bad list, you know. 
Um, no, that's that's a fantastic resume. Lady Gaga, Alice Cooper's talking about you. Gene Simmons is just bumping you. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, uh, living the dream. You know, in a, in a lot of ways. Um, and I, you know, I appreciate it every day of my life. You know, um, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's it, it's really awesome. You, you know, pepper that with five million dollars, and uh, you know, we're gold, <laughs> baby. <laughs> or six. How old were you when you started playing the drums, Marty? How old? Uh, yes. I don't remember. It must have happened during one of my blackouts. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I I was I was like, I think eleven when I started playing like. In you know band, I started being a band nerd. And by the way, for all you listeners out there, I went to band camp, okay? And there's nothing wrong with going to band camp. I had a girlfriend for that whole week who was a flag girl, and she was hot, okay? But anyway, um, <laughs> I also I also played drums for for uh, you know. 12 hours a day when I was there. So it was really intensive and really cool and uh, a lot of fun. And I was such a little geek. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I started playing in the band program when I was 11, which, I mean, gave me a really good foundation. And I, I had played piano before that, but uh, the piano to me at the time, uh, I, at least I thought, was worthless because I hated it. <laughs> some reason i don't know why uh maybe because my mom wanted me to do it you know versus you know when i was 14 i got my first set of, set of drums and um i'll never forget the first thing i think i put on was um led zeppelin one uh the song babe i'm gonna leave you you know it starts out with that beautiful you know uh, acoustic guitar intro and then and then john bonham go boom 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 you know, and my I have seven brothers upstairs. Well, my mom's trying uh, dealing with them and all their families, with tr- trying to cook Christmas dinner. And I just got my drums. So I was gonna be damned if I wasn't gonna play them. And five people <laughs> run down the stairs, go, "Shut up, dude!" Like, oh, all right, you know. But you know what a cock tease that you know. Get your first set of drums for Christmas, you know, or whatever the hell it was, and and not even be able to make noise with them, you know. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> So I mean, I, I after they all left, you know, uh, a couple of days later, I got to make a lot of noise, and you know, I would spend, um, like you know, during the summer, for example, I'd be playing, you know, along to Motley Crue albums and Guns N' Roses albums and shit, you know, for like, you know, five, six, seven, eight hours a day, you know, as a kid, and I just loved it, you know, it was it was awesome, it was a you know, it was a great way to spend the summer, you know, beat the hell out of anything else I was doing, falling off my bike. <laughs> well, were, were, were there drummers that, that you studied or watched? Oh, well, I, I, I mean, I guess I studied a, a lot of them, you know, um, everybody from, you know, like the guys I mentioned, like Tommy Lee or um, Steven Adler, who, by the way, I think was extremely underrated. Because um, he he just made that first Guns N' Roses album move and groove and bump and grind to such a degree, you know, and um, all those all those bands in the, in uh, the eighties, there were like New York bands that I really liked, like the Throbs and Circus of Power and Electric Angels and stuff, and um, I would just play along. I, I was I was a music holic you know, from a very tender age, you know, and so I would watch. Headbangers Ball every Saturday night and 120 minutes every Sunday night. It was back when MTV used to play music. Does anybody yeah. remember that? Uh, Barely. And, and, and you know, you'd 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 find out about you know like like obscure bands, even bands that were signed to major labels, but maybe just didn't sell that well because they weren't promoted right or whatever. I mean, on. Um, if they if they had a cool video or sometimes I would just go to the store and if the, if they looked cool on the cover I'd buy it you know and 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 bring it home and listen to it so I'd play along with all this stuff you know and um but what was also also great about it I mean we'll, we'll take Guns N' Roses for example like I I just love that music so much and I still do but I also wanted to find out I think subconsciously I wanted to find out what sort of made them tick musically and they um which I this is one of the coolest, classiest moves in rock and roll history. They re released 
old Hanoi Rocks' back catalog that hadn't been released in the States yet, their first, I think, four albums, on their on uh, on their own imprint through Geffen, right? So I went and bought all of those, and uh, to this day, I, I, I still love all that music. And then, you know, I subscribed to a fanzine, and Sammy Yappa says that his favorite band is The Damned. So shit, I'm going down to the fucking <laughs> record store and getting into The Damned, you know? And um, what else is there? Well, there's The Clash, The Sex Pistols, all this shit, you know what I mean? And then... Uh, and then pretty soon it's ACDC and the Rolling Stones, and you're just working your way back, you know. And, and then pretty soon, you know, you're building yourself kind of an expansive musical foundation, you know, through which to um, mine for inspiration and all this shit. Oh, my God, am I a talker, aren't I? <laughs> You just talk, no, you, you just talk just me talking my... because it's, it's absolutely fascinating, all of this information that you have. You, you, you just you just caught me in, uh, catching myself into the fucking middle of a wave of bullshit. But I mean, it sounds it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, oh, I just God. turned the mic on and let you go. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I could, I could do, I could do this all day. You know, I mean, seriously, I mean, um, I, I've, I've been home, I've been home listening to Howard Stern all day, going, "Geez, I need a job like that." <laughs> <laughs> he is the king. He is the king. He, he makes it look easy. And, but no, absolutely. You make it look, you, you make the drums look like that, though, but I've watched you. I, I watched these YouTube videos and, and you guys' music videos. I mean, you are you are still banging the hell out of those drums. And and after you do that night after night for so many hours, I mean, do, do you go home? I mean, are you achy? Do you throw out any ligaments or tear any muscles no. or anything? No. No, the thing is, is drumming is um, – I was just – talking to somebody about this the other day, drumming is sort of um, a unique instrument in that it's sort of the closest to being an athlete, right? Because it is such a physical instrument that the more you do it, the better you're going to be, you know? And if you get, and if you get lazy or something, or if, let's say you take a week off, which I've done, it's like, like and, then, and then you get back and you play again, you're not, you're not as good as you were, you know, a week before. So, Drumming is sort of a self-perpetuating um, thing. The more you do it, the less it hurts, and the better you are at it. So, I try to. I try to. Um, every day, I try to do something, and um, you, you know, drumming-wise, even if it means, um, you know, if I'm at somebody's house or something, I'll uh, even if it means, you know getting out the sticks and, and banging on a set of pillows for a half an hour, you know, that helps, you know, keep everything in shape. But to answer your question, no, it, it doesn't physically hurt me at all. Although I will tell you something funny. Um, I was telling somebody this the other day too. Every once in a while you'll be on stage, right? And you'll be like, you know, playing and shit. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you're winding up to play a fill and you punch yourself right in the eyebrow. Boom! And you can see stars. And you can't stop playing. I mean, that's, you know, rule number number one. You know, you, you never stop, ever. Nuclear war, you don't stop, okay? Um, <laughs> you, even if you're dead, you know, you, you, you're, you're still alive until the, at least the end of the song, okay? Um but Jesus, you know, you like, and, and, and so you have nothing, you, gotta, you have to keep playing, but you're, you're swearing at yourself, you're screaming obscenities at yourself, and your friend over there in the front row is laughing his ass off, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or, 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 or the same thing will happen, like, you're, you're playing a fill, you know, around the toms, and, and you bash your knuckle on the rim of your floor tom, and you start bleeding all over the place, which looks really cool on stage, but, you know, you're at the, you're <laughs> at the party so after great. the show. Yeah, when you're at the party, and your adrenaline is rushing so much up there that you don't really feel it. You're like, oh, shit, that looks really cool. And then two hours later when you're, uh, you know, pounding uh, uh, 18 straight whiskeys with your guitar players or something, you know, you realize, shit, man, my hand hurts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to play, let's see, who's let, let, let's play Who's Coming Back who's to coming Who, back? and you and I will take a little break, and we'll let everyone listen to Who's Coming Back to Who, and then we'll come back on. How about that? That sounds great. 
Coming at you straight from the Lower East Side, New York City, the Dirty Pearls, with who's coming back to who, babe? Who's coming back to who, Kansas City is what I meant. I don't think I played in St. Louis, did I? I don't remember. But, uh, 
or Minneapolis or um, you know Iowa or wherever the hell it was. You know, it, there was always something cool going on everywhere. And you know what, what I would often do, like um, there would be days off and stuff, and. I would, even if I was in L.A., which L.A. is so expansive, you know, it's so large and spread out, um, I would, um, you know, make a playlist on, on, on the iPhone, you know, put the headphones on <clears throat> and say, um, well, I'm going to walk from this end of Hollywood to that one because my hotel is on this end and the places I want to drink at are on that end. And uh, I say to the band, you, you, you fuckers meet me over, over here if you want, if you want to, you know, and Usually they would, but I would, I would, you know, take like two hours and put the headphones on and, and walk the whole way there instead of taking a cab or whatever. Plus, I didn't want to spend the damn money. But also, it was like I had my very own movie soundtrack going to my head, you know, and just kind of taking in the streets and the sights and the sounds and the smells and the, you know, everything, you know. And I would try to do that in every city. I, you know, I did that in Vegas. I would do that in Chicago. Oh, I took myself out for a for a hell of an adventure out in Chicago all over Wicker Park, you know, Um just going from rock and roll dive bar to rock and roll dive bar. I, I mean, I started out – I uh I, I walked up, um, I think it was Ashland Avenue, and I stopped in a record store, and I, I said I said to the guy behind the register, I said, hey, bro, man, I said, where can a rock and roller get a good drink in this town? And he said, you're, you're three blocks from there. He said, walk north two blocks, take a left on Milwaukee Avenue, and go to Beachwoods. So I walk into this bar, Beachwoods, and there's an, a huge HR puffin' stuff poster on the wall. And I went, Wow. Cheap trick comes on comes on the the, the jukebox. <clears throat> so I saunter up to the bar. I made friends with the bartender. I said, "Hey, how much for a Budweiser?" He says, three bucks." I handed him a five, and he said, "You want some pizza?" He had a huge pizza for whoever it was like a Sunday afternoon pizza party or some shit. And I said, "God damn, I think I like Chicago." <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, you know, like shit like that. You know, um, right. it's one of the one of the beauties of, of touring is it, it's still, it is. I mean, not to be cliche, but it is little things like that that um, really make touring enjoyable and and just getting to experience uh, these all these great cities that we have in your own sort of way, the way you the way you want to. You know what I mean? Um, Vancouver was really cool. It kind of had sort of like it was like it was New Orleans, except it was cold in in Canada. God, that's stupid. But that's what but that's what it was kind of like, you know, and all this kind of thing. Um, so to pick a favorite would be hard. Um, I I certainly do remember tearing the roof off of the Viper Room in L.A. Uh, when we were there. I mean, we were just absolutely on fire because we had. We had uh, we played a show in New York, slept for a couple days, or at least I did, and then and then we loaded up loaded up the the the, the tour bus or whatever the hell you want to call it, and drove all the way up to Vancouver, and then we played down the West Coast for a week. You know, Vancouver. I don't think we played Seattle, but we hung out in Seattle. But we played Tacoma, I think it was, and then Portland, and then Oakland, California, and then down to L.A. So we were really getting our our road legs, if you will, or sea legs. We were getting accustomed to playing a lot. And L.A., you know, you just want to kill L.A., you know, on stage. You know what I mean? And um, mm -hmm. so I remember that being a really memorable show. Um, I remember uh, going back to the Midwest and uh, playing in uh, Lake in Iowa and, and uh, my guitar player Tommy Mokas' hometown. And then the next night uh, playing in Minneapolis, St. Paul for – all of my friends, my mom showed up, and it was the night before her birthday, and we sang happy birthday to her from the stage and all this shit. And I don't think she's oh. ever been to a rock show ever, you know, and, like, all, all this kind of stuff. I mean, um, so to, to pick one favorite, I mean, I don't know. I, I, they call me a flaky Libra. Not that I believe in any of that astrological shit, but, I mean, I guess I'm curious about it enough to comment. They call me a flaky Libra, you know, uh, because I, I, it's hard for me to make decisions like that. But, you know, 
what the hell? Why bother? <laughs> That's pretty cool, though, you know, having your mom there and getting everyone to sing happy birthday to her. I mean, that's oh, that, that, that's just yeah. amazing. That had to be really special for her. Yeah, it, it, it was, and it was for me, too. And, and uh, you know, she met all the guys and um, – and all this kind of thing, and uh, my, my my brother, my brother told me afterwards. She said, "You know that that band of his is really good, <laughs> right?" <laughs> and, and, and 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 she and then she, then she says, "And what a bunch of nice boys too." <laughs> <laughs> Mom approved. <laughs> well, you know. I mean, we, we you know we try we try our best. I don't know, you know. When when, when parents are in the room, we, we, we won't hurt her. Hey, when parents are in the room, the whole band all of a sudden gets polite or something. But you know, we all know each other's families and stuff, and every you know they're, they're good people all all around. You know what I mean? Um, I guess they must have done something right. I'm not sure what. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm, I, I, as a mother, I'm happy for your mother that that that, that she could, you know, have that experience because, uh, you know, um, I mean, here's your little boy on Christmas pounding away on the drums downstairs mm-hmm. when he's 11 years old, and you never know if that's really going to amount, you know, to anything, and then it kind of comes full circle. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I was making noise, you know, Shaking the foundations, as ACDC would say, uh, you know, in her house for, you know, Jesus, eight years or something, you know. Um, she'd be like, record. Remember, remember answering machines? Like, she would be recording the outgoing message on the answering machine, and you have me in the background, you know, playing along to, uh, you know, Cinderella or something. <laughs> <laughs> You know, whatever the hell it was. I think. I, I, why do Why do I remember shit like that and nothing else? I just don't know. That's <laughs> how you can't mail your rent stamp or your 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 rent check. You don't know which side the stamp goes on, but but you can remember that oh, yeah. kind of thing. Hey, wait a minute. I know which side it goes on now. I just didn't when I was out there because all all the all the practical all the practical knowledge just flew out the window. I just it was it's almost kind of like. The brain only knowing what it needs to know right now, and uh, not necessarily being in agreement with—I don't know what the hell I'm trying to say. People <laughs> Something are like that. Prove that now all the time. People are going to be coming up to you with a stamp and an envelope, and it's going to be like their dog and pony trip for you. Can you yeah, stamp this envelope for me? <laughs> oh, that's 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 fine. I can do that. Hey, I, maybe I'll apply for a job at the post office. God knows they can use my help, but you know, more on that later. <laughs> No, no. I'll go postal on your ass. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Well, what's next for you guys? Well, we're kind of um, in a holding pattern right now. Um, We've been doing some writing and recording. Um, We uh, just went back in the studio with our producer, David Kahn, who's who's a a, a mad genius. And, um, you know, we work work really well with him, you know. And... uh, we recorded three more, three new songs um, that are kind of. Uh, I mean, if you if you like the stuff that you've heard, you'll really like this stuff. Um, there's one called uh, "One Way Heart," which is right out of the um, right out of the sort of cheap trick songbook, you know, "Heaven Tonight," you know, era maybe. Um, mm-hmm. High energy, you know, fast. A uh, good driving song, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I beat the it's hell out of the drums on that one. And floor it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, you know. Um, you, you, your hair is going through the air. The, the sun is about to go down but hasn't quite yet, you know. We're going for a ride. But anyway, <laughs> that kind of a song. Um that's actually uh, one of my favorite songs to play live. We we just debuted these songs live at the Mercury Lounge the other night um, in New York City on the Lower East Side, and it was uh, oh, it was a real hoot and a holler. Let me tell you, um, it was great. Uh, so that's one song that we did. Um, we have another song called Dynamite, which is kind of along the same lines, not quite as fast, but another you know. <clears throat> Toe tapper of a rock and roll song, you know, about important things, girls. <laughs> <laughs> the 
and uh, the things songs are made of. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, important issues of of the day, like you know, girls, pretty much, and. Uh, <laughs> And then uh, there's an, another song that um, I enjoy the hell out of uh, called Invisible, which I really, 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 really like. It, um, it's a little, it's extremely catchy, but it's a little bit more in left field and um, slightly maybe more sophisticated. Um, I mean, I uh, I kind of try to pull my uh, uh, Jimmy Chamberlain from Smashing Pumpkins drum licks out on that one. Ooh. I don't know. I don't know if I succeeded or not, but I at least I attempted to do my version of that on there. And uh it's a really cool tune too. Tom, Tommy wrote some really good lyrics about how like people don't notice each other out in the world, you know? Um like say you're dating somebody and the next person that you might be dating three years from now might have just walked by and you don't know it, right? That's kind of what that song is about, and uh, I love that one too. I like all the, I mean, I love all the songs, you know. It's it, it, it's crazy, but um, so basically, it's just just been kind of in a writing and and uh, recording pattern right now. We played a few regional shows. We uh, played at the Stone Pony a couple times last month um, out on the Jersey Shore. And uh, really had a good time out there. One of the shows we played with uh, Gaslight Anthem, and uh, their their crowd was, was great, really receptive. Uh, as a matter of fact, like eight of them came to our show, at the, drove up from there, and came to our show at the Mercury Lounge the other night. You know, so you get you're able to make converts like that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, you know, it is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and. Uh, there's a bunch of shit in the works on um, and a bunch of shit pending that I can't really get into right now, but um <laughs> you know summer is summer is usually like after Fourth of July is usually kind of downtime for a couple months anyway, you know, like mm-hmm. you know people take a break and take their vacations and stuff, you know, but I mean you know if I get a a, a last minute phone call and I gotta go play someplace. I don't care where, you know, I'm I'm always ready to go and, and, you know, itching to go, to be honest with you, because, um, I mean, that's all I want. I just want to be on tour for the rest of my life. I'll never come. Well, I, don't, I, I guess I wouldn't mind coming back to New York every once in a while. <laughs> well, people can keep up with all the latest information at the website, which is thedirtypearls.com. And so... Yep. Because because it's a fluid situation, they could just always tap into your website and find out everything that's going on with you guys. Oh, absolutely! Follow us on follow us on Twitter. It's at the Dirty Pearls, and uh, on the um, Instagram, same way at at the Dirty Pearls. We uh, post a bunch of funny shit on there, and um, you know we're we're on we're on everything. We're very very conscious of our social networks, you know, and the modern, it's the modern age of rock and roll. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> well, it's a great way to, to keep up with the fans and the fans to keep up with you, that's for sure. They, they they probably know more about what you're doing than what you know about what you're doing. Well, yeah, that's actually true. Like, my guitar player, my guitar player's dad, Mocus's dad knows more about, knows shit that the band is doing before the band even knows. It's crazy because, you know, like, I, I don't know. I, I I just call him and ask him what's going on. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, Marty, it has been super enjoyable. You have just given me so much time, and I really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you introduce the next song that I'm going to play as, as we okay. go out because you did such a fantastic job. Next time I'm just going to keep you around on the side. And, oh, uh, thank you. I'll call you up. And, and I'd like to introduce my song, which is this one's actually your song, which is New York City is a Drug. Can, can you tell me a little bit? Is there any background information on that? Yeah, that song um, That song has been really good to us. Um, it's also my favorite drum part that I ever came up with. I, I, uh, I rip off Tommy Lee, Bunny Carlos, and Jerry Nolan from the New York Dolls, all on, the, all on that song. <clears throat> Thanks, guys. And... Uh, <laughs> Tommy, I think, wrote those lyrics just about um, sort of like, kind of like you said before, how there's a, there's a rhythm 
on the road. Mm-hmm. There's also um, a rhythm, a very fast-paced rhythm to living here in New York. And you can hear it in a lot of the music, whether it's the Ramones, you know, or the Dolls or Kiss or whatever. There's, there's some kind of, like, fever pitch about it. You know, it's a way of life um, that um, it's hard to put your finger on exactly what the hell it is, but it can mean a million different things to a million different people. And I think that is what we're trying to put across in that song, you know. It's the addictive, addicted to the sort of lifestyle, if you will, even though that's a meaningless term. But, you know, just being in love with, with your city, you know, and uh, and everything that it's given you, so to speak. And uh, so that song is really extremely special to all of us. And, uh, you know, it, it, mean, it means a lot to me. That, that's for sure. You know, I, I I never get tired of playing that, that song. But of course, I never get tired of playing any of them. <laughs> so I guess I'm kind of a bad... Uh, I guess I'm kind of a bad judge of that kind of shit, but yeah, it's it's a great song about about you know being in love with your city and uh, everything that comes with it, you know, good, bad, indifferent, you know, and uh, and li- living that life, you know. Well, funny, you know, me now. I love your enthusiasm. I well, I, I love your enthusiasm, and you can just tell that you are an in the moment kind of a guy, and that's. You know, th- those those are just the, the most fun and the best people in the world. So it, it, oh, it's thank you very much. It's been a pleasure for me. Oh, it's been a pleasure for me too. This is probably the most fun, inter- one of one of the more fun interviews I've ever done. You know, I mean, uh, you ask great questions and you you seem you seem fun. You know, we'll have to have uh, next time we're in Seattle, we'll have drinks. All right. Oh, absolutely. You can find me. <laughs> I'll be around. <laughs> all right, that sounds good. All right. Well, and thanks for so, thanks for having me today. I th- thanks for having oh me God. today. I I appreciate it and thanks uh thanks for uh, having me on. I mean any, any anything that you know, anything for the band, you know what I mean? And uh and and you helping us out and giving us your support, you know, that means everything because rock and roll is tough right now, you know. And uh so thank you very 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 much. Well, it was absolutely my pleasure. I am a huge fan. Um, and I'm going to continue to follow you, and I'll, you know, I'll probably be. We follow each other on Twitter, so I will definitely be um, uh, keeping up with you, and I, I will have you back, so you can run, but you can't hide. Okay, anytime, anytime, <laughs> baby, anytime, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, here we go. You want to introduce it? Yes. Yeah, the song. Straight from Rivington Street on the Lower East Side of New York City. This is New York City is a Drug by the Dirty Pearls. Thank you very much. Oh, 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 oh,